This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Talk money to me. Hello and welcome to Talk Money To Me. This is your Need To Know Financial Podcast. I'm Candice Burke. And I'm Felicity Thomas. Now, thank you for joining us today as we have a very special guest, the Chairman and CEO of Queen's Road Capital, a debtor finance investment company within the resource sector listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange, the ticker being QRC.TSX, with closing last night at actually 68 sense. So to set the scene for this episode today, um, we're going to just quickly give you a bit of background on Queens Road Capital or QRC for short. So I first came across this company a few years ago when I met Warren, when actually he recently did join Queens Road Capital back in Feb 2020. And then they changed the name and um, started retrading. So tough time to do it right in the beginning of the COVID two year period that we, that we went through, obviously. And the share price back Back then was around 47 cents. It has been trading, um, you know, like Felicity said, around 68, 70 cents of late, but been as high as 90 cents in the last six months. So Queens Road Capital, as we're going to hear from Warren, it's essentially a publicly traded resource company that lends debt to interesting resource uh, companies. The current market cap is currently 302 million Canadian dollars. And what's interesting about the um, investment philosophy and the process that Warren at Queens Road Capital has built um, is that it's he's very much, as we'll hear, agnostic to the certain commodity. He purely looks at it from an investment perspective. What is in a compelling, you know, commodity that has a high RRR? And also he's very conservative, you know, doesn't want to lose money, wants to pay a regular dividend. And I guess the final point that really um, struck me when I first started looking at QRC is that the top shareholders are are probably Australia's most successful entrepreneurs um, and household names. So you've got Jack Cowan, Andrew Forrest and Brett Blundy. Undoubtedly, three of the most famous Australian investors and businessmen are invested in this. Now, remember, our chat today is not considered personal advice. Even though we're registered advisors at Shore & Partners, please note that this podcast and the content discussed does not constitute financial advice, nor is it a financial product. Now, before we bring in Warren, let's the scene on his experience and expertise in the markets and resource sector. So Warren Gilman is a mining engineer with more than 30 years experience as a deal maker in the metals and mining sector. Now he was actually a founder of the Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce, CIBC, the global mining team in Toronto in 1988. He subsequently led the team's efforts out of Australia and Hong Kong. Now during his time with CIBC, Mr. Gilman was actually responsible for some of the largest equity capital markets financing in the Canadian mining history. He also served as an advisor to some of the largest mining companies in the world, including BHP, Rio Tinto, Anglo-American, Noranda, Falcon Bridge, Meridian Gold and China 
Min Medals. I mean, wow, right? So impressive. All right, so with that, we'd like to welcome Warren. Candice, Felicity, uh, my great pleasure. Thank you for having me. Before we delve a little bit deeper into Queen's Road Capital, we wanted to kind of start off our conversation by turning back the clocks. Can you give us a bit of background on the road that actually led you to Queen's Road Capital? Well, Felicity, that's a, that's a life journey. My father was an exploration geologist. I became a mining engineer, so that probably uh, set the path. Then I spent 26 years as a mining investment banker working uh, different places around the world, but all with the same firm. Then I spent 10 years as a mining investor, investing the money of uh, Mr. Li Ka-shing, who is one of the world's richest men based out of Hong Kong. And after that long journey, I took all that experience and decided to apply it to my own company, TSX listed Queens Road Capital. So if uh, at at risk of being a little long-winded in the response, that's how we got here. That's how we got here. And I remember you did have a conversation when you came into our office um, about your rules when it came to investing. Um, Can you elaborate a little bit further on on those rules and and how it kind of sets you up for Queens Road Capital investment? No, that's a a great question because... uh, uh, those rules were honed uh, through my experience investing for Mr. Lee uh, from the period 2009 to 2019. So that 10-year period post the uh, financial crash of 2008-2009. So I was working with Mr. Lee and uh, uh, he was a little reticent about investing in the resource sector. He likes to get involved in industries where he can have uh, an outsized influence and use his capital to dominate the industry. But I convinced him that the main driver behind the resource sector was then and now and still is China. And there is no single individual on planet Earth that knows and understands China from an investment perspective than Mr. Lee. He appreciated that argument. And so we decided to, uh, with my help, start investing in the in the mining sector. and And the rule was really... He would tell me when China was expanding and contracting, I'd pick the assets. So I'd decide what companies we'd invest in, what ore bodies we'd invest in. He'd decide whether we put our foot on the gas or put on the brake, i.e. were we investing or were we selling? Uh, And that partnership worked beautifully for 10 years. Uh, But he had some specific guidance. And as you say, these are rules that uh, we implemented with Mr. Lee. And it worked so well with Mr. Lee that I've adopted it as our investment strategy for Queens Road. And that is uh, rule number one. Don't lose Mr. Lee's money. (laughs) And that now translates into don't lose Queens Road shareholders money. And how do you do that? Well, the wonderful thing about the resource business is that you can make a lot of money. Stocks can scream upwards uh, at the right time and with the right ore body and the right point in their development. The bad thing about the resource industry is it's very easy to lose money. And so you need to protect yourself. 
you need to find a way to invest where you have unlimited exposure to that upside, that explosive upside where you can make a lot of money, but at the same time, try to limit your downside so that you don't lose all your money when things turn bad, when cycles go against you, when bear markets arrive, just like what we've seen over the course of the last six to eight weeks of this bear market that we're currently in. You want to protect yourself from those, especially in the mining sector. So we developed a strategy to use convertible debentures. We invest, Queens Road invests virtually exclusively at this point in convertible debentures. And the great thing about converts is that they protect our downside. We are the top rank in the capital structure in every company we invest in. We are a debt security so we are protected in terms of our downside, but we have unlimited exposure to the upside. So that is the way we address Mr. Lee's first rule, which is make him a lot of money, but never lose him his money. Right. His second rule was you didn't get Mr. Lee's money for free. That applies to Queens Road shareholders. I don't get Queens Road shareholder money for free. I feel obligated, just as I was obligated to Mr. Lee, to pay rent on their money every year. And that rent I pay in the form of a dividend. And I paid that dividend to Mr. Lee year in, year out for 10 years. And you might recall that period 2009 to 2019. There were some pretty horrible mining years in that period. Mm -hmm. And we still manage to pay him a dividend at the end of every single year. And that's our intention with Queens Road. Last year was our first full year of operation, and we paid our maiden dividend. This year, 2022, is our second full year of operation. And we will, in the coming weeks, announce our second annual dividend, thus fulfilling my obligation both to Mr. Lee in spirit, i.e. you don't get his money for free, and my obligation to Queens Road shareholders, which we will do every year. So that is the underlying philosophy of Queens Road. Invest in the sector, get unlimited upside exposure, Protect your downside so you don't lose your shareholders, your investors' money. And oh, by the way, pay them a dividend every single year. And you do that simply by limiting your investment, not to straight equity, limiting it to investment in convertible debenture securities. Why wouldn't you do that? It sounds to me like the perfect way to gain all the upside in the resource sector and protect yourself along the way. So that's what we do. And I think it's a wonderful formula. Yeah, it almost sounds too good to be true, doesn't it, Candice? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's what I guess is very unique about Queens Road Capital is there's not a lot of debtor finance businesses out there that do exactly what you do in the resource space and have the expertise and track record to, to prove it. I'll go one further. Sorry to interrupt. I'll go one further. Yeah, go ahead. You said there aren't many. There aren't any. No one else is doing this. We're the only one. I was doing it privately for Mr. Lee for 10 years. And now with Queens Road, people have the opportunity through an investment in TSX listed Queens Road to participate in that 
structure to participate in that knowledge base and invest just like we did for Mr. Lee. And no one else is doing it. And so it's a great position. In the listed space, right? Do you know of any competitors in the private space still? Like, do you have any contacts there still? I I certainly have all the contacts in the world in the private space. And no, I don't Mm. know anyone who does this exclusively on the, in, in a private space either, but it's a bit of a moot point because even if they were there, no one, you can't participate in it. So So being very unique, the business model that you do, I guess taking a step back because you've given us a great high level of, you know, why you do it for those two investment golden rules. Talk us through the process, right? You've identified an asset, you've identified an interesting investment. How does the the con notes work? You know, give me the 101 if I had no idea how it was working from an investment perspective to get the yield that you're talking about. Very, very, very simple. And I can use NextGen as an example. Here is one of the world's great uranium ore bodies. Not one of the world's. It is the greatest uranium ore body ever discovered by mankind in the history of mankind. I sit there with a convertible debenture and NextGen. I'm the only one and I'm the only debt holder in the entire company. So this company... We invested 15 million U.S. dollars into NextGen via convertible debenture. They pay us 7.5% interest every year. That coupon consists of 5% cash and 2.5% shares. I don't mind adding to my share position every quarter uh, because I'd like to accumulate uh, that paper as much as possible. That money flows into the company. And that, plus all the other coupons that we receive, pays the bills to operate the company and all the money that's left over gets paid out to my shareholders in the form of a dividend. So that's how it works in every particular case. I'm sure your next question will be, how do you decide who you're going to invest in? But if, if that question's coming up, I'll, I'll leave it to whenever you want to ans- ask it. It is. It is. You must be a mind reader. <laughs> <laughs> we want to go there. We want to go there. Um, but, but before we do, so, so essentially you're taking debt position in these businesses that you've done your DD on and you know that it's not a high risk investment return. And then just to kind of finish that off, what would be the typical time horizon that you're invested in these con note before something else happens for you to go, all right, we need to reevaluate the position here? If it's a Canadian debenture or, or, or a debenture or an investment in a Canadian company, those are all five-year convertible debentures and they're five years for a reason. If they're five years, there's no withholding tax whatsoever on the coupon. So all of that money flows into Queens Road without any tax taken away. Queens Road is a Caymans-based company. We don't pay tax on interest, dividends, capital gains, etc. So it's a very, very tax-efficient structure. Other companies... Adriatic being an example, uh, whether they're ASX listed or London listed, those tend to be four-year debentures because they don't have the same five-year rule that Canada does. So we have a mix of four-year or five-year maturities on our converts. We will, in the absence of any external change, we will hold those debentures to maturity simply because It's in our best interest to do so. 
I will receive all of those coupons right through to maturity. I'll be, then be able to pass on those coupons through my dividends to my shareholders. And through that entire period, I can convert any amount of my debenture, whether it's $1 million or $20 million, any amount at any time into shares if I want to and sell those shares. Now, I mentioned at the very beginning of this statement that barring any external activity or action, and what I mean by that, the most likely occurrence is one of these companies get taken over because we only invest, frankly, in companies that have such wonderful ore bodies that every single one of them are takeover targets. So in the event that one of them is subject to a takeover bid, then obviously at that point we have the ability to convert our debentures early mm -hmm. and realize a significant profit, then reinvest that capital in a new investment and continue on in that cycle. But barring a takeover of the company, something as dramatic as that, I would not see us converting into equity prior to the maturity date of our debenture. Can you tell us the process of actually identifying the assets that you want to hold in your portfolio and your investment process? There are two pieces of magic in Queens Road, I would say. One is the structure. And then number two is who are we targeting? Who will we invest in? And one, frankly, is related to the other because since we're not investing in common shares of a target company, we are investing in convertible debentures. Convertible debentures mean that the target company, the investee company, has an obligation to pay us our coupon every year. Only the companies with the best assets are capable of doing that. You don't want to put the obligation of paying uh, interest on a debt instrument on a junior exploration company or a company that has a marginal project that may or may not ever come into production. The whole structure of a convertible debenture naturally self-selects great projects that can afford to pay the interest on the convertible debenture. So as I say, our structure actually reinforces our targeting. And other than that, how do I decide? I'm all about the ore body. It's got to be a wonderful, wonderful deposit. I'm commodity agnostic. I don't care whether it's a uranium project, a gold project, a copper project, a nickel project. I'll invest in any metal there is in the world, as long as this is one of the world's great ore bodies in that metal. There again, that selection process reinforces our ability to pick great ore bodies. And when you look at the targets that we have picked over the course of the last two years, uh, each one of them is unique and each one of them is a high RR project that will be attractive to any number of suitors. Hence, you know, the potential takeover uh, of any one of those uh, investments. I would add one other thing that we are relatively geopolitically conservative when looking at where the ore bodies are located. Uh, so what I mean by that is 
we don't go to what Mr. Lee referred to as funny countries. Yes, we are in the mining business, so we do have to go where the ore bodies are. Uh, and those ore bodies are not in downtown Sydney, and maybe that's a good thing. We yeah. have to go a little bit farther afield. But generally speaking, we've been sticking to safe countries, and predominantly we're exposed to the North American geopolitical environment. Yeah, so you have a very, I guess, diligent investment process. Uh, so just to summarize for our listeners, essentially the structure is a debenture, um, and then you have the potential option to take equity if you see there's a potential takeover and the ability to make some significant money for your shareholders. That is absolutely correct. We can convert our debenture into equity at any time at a set price. And we would do that if the takeover price is above our conversion price. If it isn't, we usually, so far in every single case, have a change of control provision in our debentures, such that if the takeover price is not above our conversion price, that we still get a premium on the value of our debenture. That's a change of control provision we have in every debenture, so that even if equity prices fall and one of our target companies is subject to an unwanted solicitation and an unwanted takeover at a low price, and that, and that uh, takeover is ultimately successful, we get a premium to the value of our debenture. So we win whether the stock price is high or whether the stock price is low. Right. Another unique aspect of our debentures. How good is that? Not losing capital, right? Yeah. Going back to the golden first rule. So I just want to pick up on that. And um, there's going to be a couple of follow-up questions here because my brain just kind of rattling off while you were chatting about your process. So at the moment, Warren, Queens Road Capital has six investments in the portfolio. We will, for our listeners, you know, give a, hear from Warren a high level on why he's picked these six different assets and what makes them unique. But is six a right number for you? Do you have a one-in-one-out policy? Like the process you just explained when you have that exit potential and premium um, opportunity, you know, is that how you run the portfolio or is there an optimal number that you think shareholders and yourself want to have in Queens Road Capital? This is a model that benefits from scale. Mm -hmm. You will, basic portfolio theory, as you diversify, your risk reduces. So as we add investments and become more diversified in terms of commodity, in terms of geography, in terms of investee company breadth, the risk for the entire portfolio will fall. And we're all about reducing risk, protecting the downside. So as Queens Road grows, we will become a less risky investment. So the answer to your question, Candace, is no, uh, six is not the right number. Ultimately, we'll probably grow to a portfolio of 20 or 30 converts. We'll be a right. significantly larger company. By being larger, we'll have greater diversity of income, obviously greater income, and we'll be paying higher and higher dividends. So we expect this company will grow uh, significantly. One thing I will say is that we will always be 
a high conviction investor. We don't want to have a hundred convertible debentures of five million or ten million. We want to invest twenty million, thirty million at a time. We yeah. once we make these investments, we are big believers in them. We actively help those companies grow. We help those companies reach shareholders across the world that they may not have had the ability to reach prior to our involvement. And ultimately, we want to help them build their mine, recognize the true value of the ore body they're in. So we'll always be high conviction investors, concentrate our, our portfolio in relatively big investments, but the number will grow. Six will become 20. Yeah. And so I guess a third rule listening to you uh, go through that process would be quality over quantity and don't over diversify for the sake of it. So high conviction diversification is key. So let's jump into the six that you have now. I want to start off with uranium. You touched on next gen, but you also have ISO energy in the portfolio. I guess why uranium, why these assets and what attracted you back in 2020? First answer is I'm all about the ore body and next gen is, as I mentioned, you know, God's gift to the uranium industry. It is a phenomenal ore body. And when you look at the uh, high grade A2 part of the reserve that the company has, you're looking at 160 million pounds at 7%, 17% uranium, 17 you you won't find an ore body in Australia that's 10% of that grade, uh, maybe even one one hundredth of that grade. This ore body will be the world's greatest uranium mine when it comes into production a few years from now. That's what drove me to invest in next gen. And that's what drove me to cause Mr. Lee to invest 170 million US dollars in the deposit before I did, before I started Queens Road. As good as next gen is, ISO was our second investment. ISO just two or three weeks ago announced their maiden resource. And as I mentioned, NextGen is 17% uranium. ISO just announced a deposit of 50 million pounds at 37% uranium. 37. That ore is so hot, you can't even hold it in your hand. Wow. Uh, this is, again, just a spectacular ore body. I recognized that ore body two years ago when we made our first investment. As I said, they just made their first resource announcement two or three weeks ago. We invested in it two years ago. I knew that the ore body was going to be spectacular. I wasn't, I would never have hoped that it'd be 30%, 37% uranium. Uh, so that gives you an idea of the things that we uh, that we look for. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's the answer. Ore body quality of ore body. We just also probably got lucky with the idea that you know we're on the right side of the uranium trade. Uranium will go higher. The supply demand fundamentals for uranium are fabulous, and I'm a big believer in the uranium price. But frankly, is that why I made the investment in next gen or ISO? No, I do not invest in ore bodies simply because I'm hoping that the commodity will go up. Mm -hmm. I want the best commodity, and I'll make money whether the commodity goes up 
or even if it goes down. It's just a question of these ore bodies are so good. It's simply a question of how much money will the company make? How much money will Queens Road shareholders make? But there isn't a realistic scenario where they will lose money because these ore bodies will make money even if the uranium price dropped in half. They would still make money. That's good to hear. Uh, so that's what we look for. And I guess uranium is considered really a green energy. So it's kind of all played out quite well for you over the last couple of years um, with everything else that's been going on. Yeah. And, and we've always been a believer in that. We've always been a believer in the green aspects of, of uranium. There's a great slide in the Next Gen presentation, which I quote often, that talks about Tesla producing uh, a, a million cars in the coming year. And of those million Teslas, maybe a quarter of them or a third of them are actually green cars in that they're operating off of a power grid that's a green power grid and not effectively being coal-powered Teslas. Right. <laughs> Like all the Teslas where, where, I, where I live, we have huge numbers of Teslas, but they're all coal-powered Teslas because all the coal, all the power in Hong Kong is coal-powered. So talk about with Tesla, a $1 trillion company taking effectively 250,000 gas guzzlers off the road every year. Next Gen's ore body, when it's producing 27 million pounds a year, will effectively take 70 million cars off the road in terms of CO2 replacement. 70 million versus Tesla's 250,000. Mm, yeah. So when you talk about actual impact on the environment, uranium miners like NextGen, like ISO, are very, very green indeed. So the probability for those two investments, I would say, are pretty low that it's going to be a takeover. You're sounding like you've got a strong conviction that they're going to be you know, one of the best suppliers in this market, you know, for the EV um, supply chain. Is, is that correct? Have I got that right? I certainly hope we get to the point where we can actually build both those mines. Hmm. There is a risk that we won't get there. There are obviously very big incumbent players, both in the uranium industry in the broader energy sector, you know, even oil companies who are looking to green themselves, you know, like uh, Shell and, and Chevron, to have a green, bigger green component to their energy portfolio. Right, okay. It's a natural diversification for them. And even the big mining companies, whether it's Rio or BHP or Anglo, to have greater green exposure in their portfolios in an asset in a safe jurisdiction like Saskatchewan, Canada, it's a bit of a no-brainer. So there is always a risk that one of those parties may interfere with our plan to actually build this mine. Of course. I mean, but it does sound like these, these could potentially be the companies that you do want to convert to equity. Um, now, we're going to hear a lot more about Warren's thoughts on ESG investing, gold, silver, as well as the Queen's Road Capital Pipeline. But before we do, we're just going to have a quick break and hear from our sponsors. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. So you're exposed to silver and gold mining companies like Contango ore in the US, as well as Adriatic Metals, um, which is a precious and base metals development company, um, which owns the VAERS Silver Project. Now, do you have any views on where these commodities are actually heading in the next 12 months? Obviously, there's a lot of gold companies that are being sold off lately. Um, Do you think it's creating a good buying opportunity? Let me step back, Felicity. Again, I'll emphasize all about the ore body. So we made the investment in Adriatic, not because it was silver, but because it's just a fantastic ore body. I mentioned NextGen earlier. NextGen at $50 a pound uranium, which is where we are right now, has an IRR of about 54, 55%. So a great high return project. Adriatic has an IRR in excess of 100%. Wow. Okay. As profitable as NextGen and ISO will be, Adriatic <laughs> and the Veras project is hugely profitable. That said, you're right. I am focusing on gold and silver at the moment mm-hmm. because I do believe that all portfolios should have an exposure to precious metals. You look at where we are today, inflation at 40-year highs, a war, a shooting war in Europe and the Ukraine. Nancy Pelosi announcing today that she's visiting Taiwan tomorrow or the day after. There's a lot of risk out there. There's a lot of uncertainty. Great to have gold and silver in your portfolio. Great to have that exposure represented by great ore bodies like Adriatic and Veras. So yes to the ore body, yes to the commodity exposure, and yes to the timing. The timing is very purposeful. We have been in a bear market for gold and silver equities for over two years now. So the equities, the price of gold has held up very well, $1,700, $1,800, $1,900 an ounce. But the equities have been cut in half to a third over the last two years. Then the bear market that we're currently experiencing for the last six to eight weeks, then the bear market hit. Just when the gold and silver equities were bottoming out, we went into a bear market and those stocks got hit even harder. Put it bluntly, there's a sale going on right now in high quality gold and silver equities. We want to increase our exposure to those while the sale is on. Mm -hmm. And we are working as we speak on two or three other potential converts in the precious metal space, simply because 
great ore bodies, great commodity. And boy, this is the time to do it. Essentially, you're not putting too much focus on the commodity, but you are carefully thinking out which commodities you do want to invest in, but you're only really trying to control what you actually can control, which is the quality of the asset. One of the big factors in mining is timing. And you can make all the right decisions in the world, but if you have bad timing, uh, your returns will be impacted. So whatever we do, we always keep in mind, is this the time to do this? And certainly in precious metals, this is the time. Well, gold gold lovers out there will be loving loving that statement that there's going to be, you know, two more that you're looking at. So just quickly, favor, right? the last, yeah, so just quickly, the last two investments within the portfolio is in within is within copper and um, I'm probably going to say this wrong, so correct me if I say it wrong, is Oskio. So why these two and I guess to wrap up the full six at the moment, I know you're not meant to have a favourite child, but is there one that stands out the most in terms of the assets that you're the most excited about? Wow, that's a great question, my <laughs> favourite child. Uh, <laughs> that is a very difficult one. But yes, uh, so uh, cover off on the battery metals. Two investments so far, there will be more in copper and nickel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so far, Los Andes Copper. Again, all about the ore body. Uh, It is a fabulous classic copper porphyry, a huge deposit just outside of Santiago. Mm -hmm. This is an ore body that will be attractive to every medium size to major miner in the world to get exposure of scale to copper. So Los Andes is is a Mm -hmm. no-brainer. And the other one is Osisco. Oh, so I said it definitely wrong. (laughs) <laughs> a, a Cisco Green is a SPAC. It's an unusual investment for Queens Road, but I believe the SPAC structure, since we are a founder of the SPAC and therefore get an uplift when the de-SPACing transaction occurs, which will be in the next year. A Cisco is also founded by uh, the Cisco management team who are perhaps the most successful mining entrepreneurs in Canada today. So they effectively are working for Queen's Road right now trying to find a battery metals deposit in Canada that we can advance and eventually bring into production. So in terms of having great people working for you, having guys like Sean Rusin and John Brzezinski working for you, trying to find an an asset to develop in the battery metal space, I'll do that all day long. We'll see what that ore body is and we'll have an opportunity to decide whether we pursue it or ask for our money back in any classic uh, de-spacking transaction. So those are those are the two battery metals uh, investments that we've made so far. And then as to your question about favored child, yes, as difficult as it is to say, <laughs> I have this fondness and maybe it's come through through this podcast. But, uh, you know, next gen and the aero deposit, the aero deposit, I've, I'm a mining engineer. I've been in the business for 40 years now. I have never seen any ore body like this. You only get one of these one time in your life. 
uh, we'll increase our exposure to that whenever we have the opportunity to do so. Okay. All right. Watch that space. (laughs) So just pivoting, I guess, into more of the future facing commodity, you know, EV supply chain, thematic and ESG investing. There's a lot of argument going on at the moment that, you know, perhaps the markets needs to split out the ESG and focus on E to really tackle climate change. Um, some, uh, some economists and brilliant, you know, people in the market are saying, let's change it to emissions. So I guess I'd love to hear your experience in the mining sector. You would have seen it not really talked about 30 years ago, and now it's really topical, right? How, in your opinion, are companies effectively doing it, are tackling climate change and trying to reduce emissions? And on the other side, greenwashing, you know, any comments on that side of the, you know, the, the spectrum, you know, like your comment with Tesla, it's all well and good buying an EV car, but if it's not, if it's not um, a green source that you're, you're using through and through the whole model, you know, it's defeats the purpose, right? So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Indeed. To your point, Candice, we've seen both. We've seen companies claim to be green companies who clearly aren't. Companies that generate the majority of their revenue from coal claiming to be green companies. When you see that, you think, why don't they just be honest and straight up and say, look, you're a coal company and recognize that. And if you want to own us, own us. But if you don't, we understand and you have a choice. Uh, you know, I, I think being open and direct uh, is the better solution rather than trying to color yourself in a flag or wrap yourself in a flag that isn't truly representative. On the other side of the scale, we see companies making great strides. We see companies focusing on the metals that will have a positive impact on the environment in the future. We see significant change in terms of impact on the environment and and emissions in existing operations. And certainly the engineering community has refocused in planning development of ore bodies in the future for the lowest impact and the lowest emissions while producing metals we need for a green future. So uh, the change, Candice, that that you have hinted at uh, in the last two years has been immense. Uh, One might say it's long overdue, uh, but none of us realized until recently how important this was and now that people have internalized that and accepted it the change is going to very be very quick and very dramatic and i just hope that people realize that along the way don't let past prejudices and worries color your judgment things like uranium is are a positive influence on climate in the world and a major, major positive impact. And we shouldn't lose sight of that as we move forward. Speaking of change and speaking of future growth, you've also just joined the Toronto Stock Exchange main trading reserve, the TSX. So I guess where to next for the company? Yes, I had the uh, the honour and the uh, 
the thrill of uh, opening trading on the Toronto Stock Exchange uh, two Fridays ago uh, as we graduated. Bit of a reflection of Queen's Road's growth. We started from nothing two years ago. Uh, we're listed on the Toronto Venture Exchange and have now grown to a size and significance that we are the main board of the Toronto Stock Exchange. So we're hoping that that'll open uh, us up to uh, a breadth of investors, not only across North America, but across the world. Where to from here? Well, we haven't talked about my shareholder base. Our major shareholders are some of the most well-known people in Australia. Jack Cowan, Hungry Jack, Andrew Forrest, Twiggy Forrest, both own about 26% each of Queen's Road. Brett Blundy, John Singleton, uh, these are all household names, uh, major shareholders, and I'm honoured by their support. Given the fact that they're household Aussie names... Speaking of Aussies and speaking of growth, you know, is there any projects that is looking interesting in your opinion within Australia or the APAC region? If you can, if you can chat about it. We are uh, actually, I mentioned earlier on that we're in conversation with a few other companies right now about uh, uh, other investments and a couple in particular in the gold sector and in the copper sector. And, uh, Two of those are uh, Aussie companies. So my colleague Alex Granger is actually in country on site right now, uh, putting boots on the ground on one of those, doing our due diligence for uh, for one of those potential ASX-based investments. So more to come. I mean, everyone listening, definitely watch this space um, and start following Queen's Road Capital. Now, Warren, we have one last question that we really like to ask all of our guests. Coffee, tea or tequila? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's all of the above, depending on the occasion, but uh, (laughs) life, uh, life cannot cannot start without coffee. So I'll go with the coffee. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on our chat at Talk Money to Me. Um, there's just so much to to take from today's conversation, but I think really the way you started it with those, you know, golden rules, don't lose money and pay a dividend to shareholders. I think, you know, don't sometimes get money we get for caught free. up. Yeah. Yeah, don't get money for free. Don't get money for free. Everybody gets a little bit caught up with the headlines and what's going on, geopolitical and you know such like. But just going back to basics, I just I think that's fantastic. So thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure, Candice Felicity. Uh, uh, really enjoyed our conversation, and uh, as as we evolve, we'll reconnect again and give you the latest updates. Definitely, and see you down under very soon. Thanks, Warren. Looking forward to it. Wow, what a fantastic chat. Um, I hope you guys enjoy that conversation with Warren Gilman. Again, if you're wanting to find more about Queen's Road Capital, get out your Bloomberg, look up QRC in your app there. Now, before we sign off, please remember, although Felicity and I are financial advisors at Shoren Partners, as always, our discussion today does not constitute as personal financial advice. If you need to make any decisions based around our conversation today, it's not considered personal advice. Always go out and seek your own investment um, professional And of course, the facts that we're talking about today with Warren are based on the time of recording, which is the 2nd of August, 2022. Talk Money to Me is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. 
Equity Mates gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by a range of financial service professionals. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of Talk Money to Me are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Equity Mates Media does not operate under an Australian financial services license and relies on the exemption available under the Corporations Act 2001 in respect of any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equity Mates website where you can find the ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media and the hosts of Talk Money to Me acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.